On January 1st. You're dying every week. No. I recall yeah. it. It's a new year. I am dying. I remember that. Yeah, podcast. no, no. I, I was yesterday. sick. I was sick. I was sick at the beginning of the year. It, it's true. But I got the post-con flu. I went to Steampunk World's Fair and made the mistake of shaking hands with people I've never met. Wrong. And, Ooh. oh, you gotta remember, it's also pollen season. And I know for a fact that, like myself, you get... Uh, Bad allergies. Oh, yeah. so I could have a cold stacked on top of allergies stacked on top of god knows what else tiredness and i did get like a total of well i got some sleep over the weekend but i was schlepping for four bands so it was a lot of work described as schlepping uh he <laughs> was a roadie so i went Aww. to steampunk world's fair friday saturday and sunday this past weekend i worked with the wasties rose west painless parker eli august and the abandoned buildings and bro- a little and i hung out with broken hungry a band that we're gonna have on the podcast that's, by the way, soon. that's Baroque and Hungry. Yeah. Just need to clarify that. I actually spoke to Baroque and Hung- Hungry Side Tangent, one of the guys from the band Neil. He told me they have a new album coming out in September and would like to come on the podcast in August to promote it. So hmm. I would love to have a cool. early listen to it as well. Um, also, I've been talking kind of, kind of to Eli August of Eli August in the Abandoned Buildings. He's interested in joining us on the podcast as well. So This is that moment where I interrupt you and I have to, uh, <laughs> and have to, to sort of, um, you know... Get all over you for doing your thing at the beginning of the podcast where you talk about yourself and that. You're getting way too meta on this. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, <laughs> I'm really pissed at you because in the last few weeks you've both gotten to go to the Steampunk World's Fair and you got to meet Ben Fold. So you're not my friend anymore. Oh, and on See, Sunday Matt, on... that's interesting week segment. Oh, that's and a, and on Sunday on the way back from the Steampunk World's Fair, I got to meet Stephen Moffat and Matt Smith who are at the way station. Watching yeah, so, yeah. so you're actually... That's the one. You're, you're, that's, that's three. That's the one that everyone is jealous about. Yeah. Especially though, I didn't want to even talk about it because, yes, Matt Smith was at the way station to see the finale of Doctor Who. Well, the season finale. And, yeah, I wish you'd called me because I would have gone right over there to... Yeah, they were gone by the time you could Oh, he likes to keep his success stories to himself. Yeah, I know. It's kind of mean. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. Anyway. I'm a terrible friend. Moving on. This week, we have a special (laughs) guest. Kita St. Cyr of Burlesque Fame and Other Things is with us today. Hello, hello. Kita. Uh, and also... <laughs> and the Wayne Nelson Lugo did it in episode 19. Yes. <laughs> yes. Slap him. He's such a, you're such an idiot savant. <laughs> anyway, welcome to the show, Kita. This is on idiot. <laughs> Kita brought us our album, which is Taboo. T-A-B-U, exclamation point. Which is a various artist compilation of mostly instrumental tracks from the 60s. Even the vocal ish, sixties, early sixties, yeah, maybe some earlier fifties work. Cause some of did it you was... really say sixties? Sixties. Wow. I don't think there's any early. 50s. It sounded like a couple of those covers were from earlier nineteen. There's no early fifties. They never existed. Specifically, <laughs> it didn't happen. There was listen. There was no such thing as music the early started nineteen fifty five. I can't believe I'm I'm the classical guy and I'm saying that. Wow. <laughs> I agree wholeheartedly. <laughs> we would. <laughs> we, 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 we. This this album review is going to be a little different because it's 
besides Wreck It Ralph, which was like half instrumental, this and is the first Halo, like, which was full instrumental but a coherent movement piece. This is sampling of the music <laughs> of the era. It's it no was considered what? what it's supposed to be considered what's exotic well, for the era. Lounge music, I think, would be a good way to describe it because it was stuff. Kind of to play at 2 a.m. When you're not really looking for a pop rock track, you're looking for something that's just kind of indicative of it. Just the mood. The mood. Yeah, I, did not under, I did not understand what he just said. <laughs> it's an album that's more held together by the common thread of the concept of exotic yes. rather than one single genre. And preface this. Preface. That's what I said. No, before your face, man. <laughs> Why are you splitting hair? Preface it. Preface. Preface it, man. Preface. I will preface. Before your face, there was this point that you were about to mention. This point that I'm waiting for you to get out. You can't. Am I the one you were going to be kicking this week? Well, Matt's sick. It's not fair. You're next to me. It's easy. Sympathy points for Matt. I'm always next. Oh, my God. Too meta, right? Too meta. (laughs) Fourth wall broken. I'm so glad I don't have a knife today. Um, Today. Usually he stores it in his cheek. We'll go back on topic here. Um, It's 1960s Exotica. Uh, This is, uh, I I would say a lot of these songs are sort of prefaces to the mid-60s explosion of music. There's, I saw a lot of themes worked in here that kind of were expanded upon in the 60s, mid-60s, late-60s, early-70s. Well, I gotta interrupt you on the general terminology here. The explosion of music, what does that mean? Like, the explosion of rock and roll into its various subsections. Yes. There. Alright. Let's look at that. I I like the... What is the... Crap, I forgot how to English just now. I'm sorry. I like the specificity of... 60s Exotica because of the distinction between that and what Exotica started out as from arguably well I'd describe Exotica as a movement started out arguably in mid 50s or actually 1950 and then the word Exotica was coined in 1957 when Martin Denny came out with the album Exotica Hmm. Um, and that's also the first example of the usage of like the weird bird calls in the music like that ah was like and the, ja- when, and the jaguar we and the jaguar the all-important uh, exotica it jaguar it was a jaguar i believe it was Darling, jaguar they're the same thing exactly <laughs> well in any case it, it was, maybe it was, it was a stated very well it was nice use of jaguar which rarely seen in music i think you know <laughs> so the, the, i think that what's distinctive about exotica from 1950 through the late 50s is the use of the air quotes, exotic um, <gasps> percussion. I was listening last week. Who knows? Matt has a... Pro- oh! Oh, okay. I heard your interview Kita with the waste. I had a, a fan of the podcast and has listened to yes. previous episodes. By the way, I am also a fake ginger. <laughs> she is uh, referencing Molly's comment from last week. Yes. Wow. This is weird. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Beep. <laughs> Belated. It's fine. You know what? Now it's just well, gonna sound it. like beep, beep, too. <laughs> Let's just keep beeping. Okay. Let's just keep things like pudding. Cut <laughs> <Yeah>. out. <laughs> Cookies. Enemies. Sidetrack. So are we gonna? Do we want to break the album down track by track? 
Oh yeah, we, okay. I, I thought yeah. we were gonna talk Less about. Less to say about me. some, more to say about others. We'll, we'll, we'll get, get to you. We'll get to you. <laughs> we're gonna right. explain Jeez. the music of your okay, taste, cool. and then the music of my taste. Yes. We have a format. If you listen, you'd know that. Uh, yeah. Seriously, <laughs> like come on, like I really? You're we just gonna. Oh, talk Steve, about don't me. do that. Like, oh my god. <laughs> oh my god, I swear I'm a real fan. Like we're each, we're, we're East Coast based. Why are we doing this? Like what? <laughs> like oh my god, can you really stop right now? <laughs> Jeez. Oh my god, we're Anastasia's on bad terms. We're totally on bad terms. Right now. <laughs> totally bad terms. <laughs> who had a point and who was on it? Uh, I, I was kind of talking about 50s Exotica versus 60s yes. Exotica. What makes 60s? <laughs> and what is the distinction? That's what I want. My to distinction, where I draw the line, All is right. that 50s is more what you would hear listening to cocktails at like. Frankie's Tiki Room. So that, in fact, that's probably closer to the lounge music that I mentioned before. Yeah, it, it's, it's more of what you would traditionally think of as Afro-Cuban instead of Afro-Cuban-inspired ah. rockabilly, which is what the 60s sounds more like. Gotcha. And, and the use of the interesting percussion. I feel like the presence of a vibraphone hmm. is, or like the, at least the predominance of that kind of percussion Perhaps a little bit more electric. The 60s is more electric, the 50s is more just it's percussive. Do, 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 do. We did not need that comment. We no. could have done without it. I feel sticky now. <laughs> no, I'm going to leave that one alone. I'm just going to let that sit under your hat. That's fine. Suck yeah, on I'll that one for a while. I'll save that for later. John's writing notes to me and passing them in class. What happened? Okay, so we got vibraphone as opposed to maybe the 50s marimba. <laughs> Perhaps that No, no, no. I, I feel like vibraphone, marimba, xylophone, you can all oh, use all right. that interchangeably as it's not funny essential to early 50s exotica. Hmm. What happened? I'm, something just happened. I have no idea what's going Steve goes off on tangents that don't make any sense to us because he uses words that he learned in college that we don't use. Um, we it's, both went to college. I was I a went. music major, though. That no, this is a music podcast. That doesn't count. I went for two years. That still doesn't count. I showed up for a semester and went for two years. There's a difference. I think that for for the sake... <laughs> no, honesty. <laughs> Aww. Aww. I, I was not ever a music major. Um, but for well, you clearly seem to... You are the foremost expert on this genre, which I am not familiar <laughs> with. John is not familiar with, and Matt is not familiar with. I so, think, okay, yeah. I am quite interested to hear your take on this. For the sake of discussing Exotica, the use of marimba, vibraphone, and xylophone can all be interchangeable because really Arthur Lyman is the the father of exotica percussion and arguably one of the fathers of exotica itself and he played all of those things hmm. all right so we get the pitched percussion family which yes. is probably new to the rock scene in general considering you're coming from an environment that's strictly you know two guitars bass drum that's probably all you would see I mean, that was the standard. So, exo less, but yeah. Exotica, considering considering the 50s, Exotica probably incorporated a lot of other, I guess, extra American. <laughs> yeah, well, Exotica yeah. is not just exotic from other countries, but <laughs> exotic within America as well. Right. Exotic parts of yeah. America. I, I think that the important thing when you're talking about Exotica is to realize that it's not necessarily strictly a music genre. It, it's kind of a cultural movement that right. happened for like two and a half minutes. One thing I know, I, 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 I guess I heard rumors, you know, from where? I have no idea. But from I heard rumors about Exotica that there was something about it. If you were to put a place to the name, South Pacific. 
That's true. I'm not like making that up. <laughs> no, no, you're, right. you're not making it Clarifying. up. Part of Exotica is really part of like, I guess what we'd call the tiki trend now. You know, is, uh, there's something. I went to Disney World. I was in the tiki room. E- it's fun. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So the music you'd hear in the tiki room is okay. kind of. All right, we've got connections now. Oceania. Oceania, yeah. It's a little bit of a stretch, but when you go to the Oceania section of the MoMA or any museum and you see the tiki's there, like... So the the area that we're talking about when we discuss faux Polynesia, which is what the basis of Exotica as a movement was, is, is... the Polynesian. So it is, in fact, faux Polynesia. It's it, like the, the 1950s American interpretation of what you would get if you vacationed there. Exactly. The The reason that it got so popular is because post-World War II, a lot of sailors were kind of depressed or a lot of soldiers were kind of depressed and looking for some kind of escape that right. reminded them of their time serving. That's why you get a lot of posters in 1950s travel agencies yeah, from that yeah, area. Whenever, whenever yeah, whenever you see a hula girl like, in 50s rockabilly. It's like, yeah, uh, we just fought over in the South Pacific <laughs> uh, when, you know, people weren't dying. It was kind of a cool place. Yeah. Yeah. Dark. <laughs> Things got dark, ladies and gentlemen. Apparently. Well, <laughs> hey, you know, it's history. It's kind of interesting. Like, some that is probably where Not America's kind awareness... kind of. History is interesting. It history is very interesting. Is, well, you, interesting. Said, you said it was kind of interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was being superfluous. In any case. <laughs> wow. So by the There's time... boring history. Uh, yeah, sure. That's true. Yeah, the yeah. history of Staten Island... No, I'm kidding. Oh, <laughs> oh kidding. no. no I, I could love school Snug you Harbor. on the history of Staten Island. <laughs> Don't go We're based there. in Staten Island uh, word. Yes, we are based in Staten <laughs> Island uh, word. Where everything is related to Richmond. No, that's not true. Snug Harbor is all... It was like a colony of old sailors. That's right. It was yeah. a old, sailor retirement. Old crotchety sailors. They Steve were amazing. Right in. <laughs> I, I went to a concert of sea shanties there not too long ago. It was an evening of all sea shanties passed down by the sailors that used to live in Sailor Snug Harbor. That's actually kind of awesome. That's pretty cool. I would never have guessed that we had that. You have that. So, so moving on back <laughs> on track. The first track of Taboo <laughs> is called Delilah Jones. It was by the Thunderbirds. And it took, like, Steve, <laughs> 20 minutes to figure out where he had heard this song, a similar version of this it before. John recognized it, too. It's a very familiar uh, <laughs> Okay, well, okay, to be fair, before we even get there, it's not the same song. No. No. No, it is not. No, but... but it tickled the, my fancy the same exact way the other song tickled my fancy. It has the same bass Which line. was... This is a PG show. No tickling your fancy on the podcast. <laughs> That's why I chose those words. Um... <laughs> It's from the Peter Gunn show. That's that the the main theme from that show. Peter Gunn sweet. Yes, is is has almost the same exact beat. <coughs> it's the same groove. bass line. Groove. It's the same. It's the same bass groove. Yes. See, I don't use groove as a technical term. Um, but it, it, it is. It's could, pretty yeah. technical yeah, for that style of music. Sure. But that's, when that, I, that's when, the terminology they would be speaking in. Those guys. Those performers. It's the same groove, man. <laughs> I say groove, but I think. Groove. And <laughs> like I think groovy. stoner groove. And it just it doesn't have a technical connotation. Well, th- thankfully, the rest of us are usually I'm in you. classical mode, and for this I need to be in lounge, uh, yeah man mode. So, you know, I'm <laughs> we might get a visit from Surfer Steve later. Oh, boy. <laughs> He's like, totally. So, a little. Delilah Jones <laughs> had beautiful horn work. 
I, I liked the 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 percussion. What else did you like, okay, John? Well, this is that point where I had to ask about the recording quality because that's what struck me first. You could yeah. hear the scratch of the you record. You hear the scratch. You can hear that. I was. I kind of had to ask whether this was recorded from a vinyl to an eight track to a cassette to a possibly a laser disc to a CD and eventually on digital format, or if it was recorded in a tin can. This is my absolute first observation. When I heard <laughs> This was the worst quality song. Uh, It was all uphill. I feel like maybe it wasn't the worst quality, but where most of the songs build slowly, it starts on a really high note. It starts with that really blaring. That's the thing. You don't expect it. Once you're used to it. And it's entirely possible, because I have this on vinyl. I didn't have a CD. I don't think maybe maybe a CD doesn't even exist. So I, what I imagine happened is that someone has a vinyl and held a microphone up to the speaker, <laughs> right up to the needle, <laughs> right up to the needle. Not, no, no speakers. <laughs> and, and that's Cut up how. The yeah, that's how that happened. I would imagine. How is um, the speaker the middleman? <laughs> it is. It, if you can hear the, the record yeah. turning. Them. <laughs> Steve's right, John. I'm quite right. Um, But Delilah Jones, so it's a cover of a McGuire Sisters song from 1950. It sounds familiar to at least to burlesque fans because it was also the same melody as the theme to The Man with the Golden Arm, which was, of course, redone by Barry Adamson in the late 90s. but it does sound really similar to Peter Gunn's suite, which is something that I think I hadn't even realized until you brought it up. And yeah, Peter Gunn is a, just a like half a second slower. Mm-hmm. It's a just slightly slowed down version of the same song. Well, the uh, Henry Mancini version is slower, but I think the version we all know is the Blues Brothers version. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And that's probably about the same tempo. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. That makes sense. And just to put us all in the same time period, Henry Mancini also did the Pink Panther. So, for anyone that Which doesn't is... know any of these things that we're referencing, you probably know that theme. <laughs> and at this point, you're going, oh. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Rewind. Listen to us again. We make sense sometimes. <laughs> we do. We really do. We do. We promise. Track two. Chiquita. 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 By DC5. Does anyone know what DC5 stands for? I didn't think to look it up. Um, District of Columbia. Number five. Fifth, fifth incarnation. <laughs> yes. It is the year 2000. <laughs> I have no yeah. idea. And then in my head, when, when you say in the year 2000, I just go to Conan. Uh, in the year 2000. Really? I go to Fly the Concords. Uh, Clearly, we all have different interpretations of the same exact bit. In the year 3530. I hate you. Next track. <laughs> salsa. Chiquita was salsa. Chiquita was a. Well. Cubano. Afro-Cuban. At, see, Afro-Cuban is the umbrella by which a lot of jazz uh, drew a lot of their influence in the 1950s. Because even though jazz has been around since the 20s, it didn't have any of that Afro-Cuban influence necessarily at the time. It brought a lot of that in in the 40s, 50s, uh, especially when there was a big Cuban and Puerto Rican <coughs> migration over in the 40s and 50s. I think that had a lot to do with it. Probably. So they got into the jazz field and all of a sudden you have people like... Um, like Ricky. <laughs> That's <laughs> I, true. Yeah. Yeah. I think that maybe um, Cuban migration to America is less of an influence than American tourism to Cuba pre-1950 Cuban Revolution. Right. Which ruined 
everything. <laughs> Especially the cigars. John, when we were listening to Tequila, made a comparison to, to the song Tequila. Yeah. Even though stylistically they're completely different, what the point I believe John was trying to make is that it had a similar lyric break. Instead of a music break, the song Chiquita. had music and then a break in the music for no one line and then more music. But if you put them together, you get Chiquila. Or Tequita. Tequitas. Now they're good. Tequitos? <laughs> no, that's the one. That... Wow. It had the same. I, was... <laughs> I knew so, that. So Whatever in Spanish, you... to say Tequita means you take it off. Does it really? Yeah. I did uh, not know that. Yeah. This is why you're here. <laughs> well, I mean, this is why you're here because you picked the album. But, you, Wait, know, hey. you know, aside from bringing you music, exactly. also to translate your completely random thoughts from Spanish to English. <laughs> there you go. John will need that. I barely <laughs> think in English. Yeah, for I some don't reason. Need a translation. You're speaking, in, you're thinking in Spanish, and for some reason I'm I think translating. In pictures. <laughs> you think in pictures. I think in pictures. That's really effective for a music podcast. Burn. I'm really you want some good. sunblock? Absolutely burn. <laughs> <laughs> you, okay, you're off the list. Crap. You're not even in the running for a favorite person anymore. Oh, golly. <laughs> really? She's moving up on mine. Okay, moving Maybe on to the next mind. track. That'll get it. That'll get it by the Imps. Which was it's kind of the spiritual brother of Johnny B. Good. Okay, that, that, had, I'm not going to dispute that necessarily. It had a beautiful, classy <laughs> guitar. This is one of the... This is the point where I really departed from the whole Exotica thing. I had to call this straight-up rock and roll. Yeah. If, it, if, if it's still considered usable in the Exotica setting, in the lounges, as it were, fine. But on a music basis, I see this as very, very early rock and roll. I don't think it would be breakthrough anywhere past a week that rock and roll existed. But, yeah, you know, it was very it's, it's, basic, yeah. but it was definitely yeah very. One four one five one. One four one five one. That's that's the chord progression, and you're gonna hear it over and over again. If Hollywood ever remakes Back to the Future, this will be the song that they play during the scene. No, <laughs> no, it wouldn't. Please no, stop this conversation because <laughs> they must never remake that film. You know I, they will. It is perfect. No, Back to the Future. Wait, Back to the Future is perfect. <laughs> yes, it yes. is. It is flawless. It okay. is the it is, it is the one definition of my favorite of, films. It's one of my favorites too, but I didn't know that you considered it perfect. It is the definition I, of the greatest meta film of all time. What do you see as Back to the Future's flaw? I don't see anything as a flaw. It's just I've never heard Steve refer to anything as perfect either. Um, for my tastes, I think it had the greatest blend of comedy, adventure, sci-fi. It has it has the, the full package for me. Oh. And. Michael J. Fox. And Michael J. Fox. And Christopher Lloyd. I mean, we're talking... And, and Crispin, Crispin Glover. Glover. I mean, come on! I, I, we need to get <laughs> off this. And Tom Wilson. We need to get off this. This is a non-conversation. <laughs> Alright, and that's well, what That'll Get It felt like. Um, I think that... I immediately went to Back to the Future. I, I completely agree. I think that it, it's... In retrospect, I've always thought of this album because of... I wish I could show you the album art because of the album art and the way that the whole thing is packaged. Our listeners and will like, see it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's like this sexy hula girl, like, dancing with wild abandon in, like, a leopard print loincloth with, like, Congo Ooh, between barracuda. her legs. Yeah. It's, it's like that, but It's chiquita. one of those, yeah. Yeah. Um, that I've always just automatically associated this album with Exotica, but in retrospect, the song is absolutely rock. Um, <laughs> and I think that 
Wait, I was gonna I was gonna make a point about this song. I don't even remember. It's just cute, man. Cute. <laughs> cute. We've never right, had that cute. as a description for a song oh, before. This is it. I So whereas Exotica from the fifties is definitely lounge cocktail music, I feel like at least this is very like um like go go dancer. That's right? a, yeah, that's right? a, that's a I feel like you could play it. any of these in a Quentin Tarantino film and it would make sense. Yeah, yeah, much. yeah. I just rewatched uh, uh, Inglorious. Uh, can you, I say that you word? You could say Bastards. It's I'm a title. Checking. It's a title. Yeah. I, I just rewatched my Death Song for the first time yesterday. I barely paid attention to the dialogue, the music of that. Yeah, I could definitely see this album being yeah. the soundtrack for a film like that. I, I think. Yeah. Um, Except for the next track. The thing is, well, this this genre kind of did persist throughout the 1960s, yeah. even though there was so many other things being done by the end of the 60s. The genre still consisted. I mean, the generation that grew up with early rock still kind of clung to early rock. Yes, the older folk that weren't into that hippie love time were not, you know, into the hippie love music. That's right. The, uh, and thus kept this sort of music going. I, I think Johnny United haircuts. This is more beatnik, right? Like when the beatniks were happening, this may have at least some of it been what they were listening to, or at least what mainstream culture imagined they were listening to. That's probably a perfect way to put it, because it's all it's all about perspective. I think yeah. at this yeah. point, um, Congo Rock. Track okay. Oh, I'm sorry, Istanbul. Istanbul. No, no, Congo Rock first. Congo Track, Ro- oh, Congo Rock was four. Okay, Congo right. Rock. Um, which is by the Jokers and horribly, incredibly generic. This was supposed to be like Exotica. This was <laughs> the basis of so much rock and roll. Guys, I think you're leaving out the big thing. The, the Jaguar. The Jaguar. The Jaguar. The Cougar. That's what it did. No, I want it to be a That's cougar. the worst impression of a Jaguar <laughs> no. I've ever heard. Well, it sounds like that's about what it sounds like on the album, though. It's like, that's wow. right. I mean, yeah, <laughs> combined with the scratchiness of the record, I think I did a pretty good job. Just put it out there. Yeah. Even on the vinyl, it sounds okay, like that. Okay, no, that was, <laughs> that was trying to make it cool, and yeah, I didn't like it. Um, the track appreci- itself? Yeah. Well, I didn't like anything about this track, other than all the music that was based off of this track that was so much better. It is very generic. But, you know, this is the kind of thing we cannot have, we cannot treat this like our normal conversations, which are are fairly recent albums. When I call something generic that was written last year, yeah, it's it's saying something pretty poor about it. Because it's generally ignoring 40 years of history. Yeah, you want to do something retro, that's fine. But this is of the time period. So, eh? (laughs) <laughs> wait, 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 wait. That's my comeback. Sure. Oh, that again. I understand. I have heard that. You don't even, have to like it. You don't But you know like what? It. Even from this time frame, what this album is trying to do, no, there yeah, was no there, variation in the thing. There was, there was variation. No up, I mean, that's what I was trying to album. say about the 60s. The 60s did have other stuff going for it. There was definitely more, uh, more breakthrough genres being created there was genres being created period yeah and, and that was kind of awesome the other thing is this album showcases a lot of individual instruments and gives them solos yes that was a... not present in congo rock no you're right that this was very formulaic uh, for early and i'm saying that for early 
early yeah. 50s rock. I, I think mean, if, so I was right. Was this listening, sorry, early rock and roll? I was right. Was this a song you said that like would only have been innovative the first week after rock existed? Oh, I thought that was uh, that'll get it. But no, maybe this was it. Maybe this, this was, was I mean, it. to be honest, both of them they kind yeah. of bleed together. Yeah, yeah. they're a it's little hard to distinguish They're both a little bit generic for what they are. Kind I think of. that if you're looking at if you're looking at the album as an instrumental concept of well in this song we're gonna showcase the guitar and in this song we're gonna showcase the horn section then congo rock is really disappointing this one this one showcased an artificial panther and that's really disappointing yeah um but if you're looking at the songs on their own Merit? I guess yeah. I'm, each I'm, song individually, then yeah, maybe this one is still a little bit disappointing. <laughs> it's far from my least favorite song on the album. It's not that far for it's, me. It, to me, it's like it's, it's just hard for me to promote a song that yeah. it changes very little from the second it starts to the second that it ends. Um, disregarding what genre it is, it's background of. music a little bit. Yeah, it's something that you could hear in a commercial. It's passive. <laughs> it's Almost. passive. Yeah. Well, would you argue that this is a passive album? No. Ah. No. So for the most part, no. Well, in that case, it did fail for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Do you feel like it's a passive album? No. No. And the reason for that is the next track, Istanbul, mm. which is the song Istanbul, no vocals, pure the, by, instrumentation. By the four lads, the Canadian group, because we got down to the bottom of this in episode 39. No. <laughs> it's not actually by the four lads. This one is the Jumping Jewels. Oh, yeah, but it was originally people written who written, by... wrote it for right. the four lads because composers never got credit back in those days. It was all the face, but it was <laughs> the face ex- of the lad. It was the pure instrumentation of Istanbul. It was great, but it was just Istanbul. Well, it was faster than the four. I mean, considering that you know we've already stated we all grew up on the <laughs> they might be giants version, except of, for me. Yeah, except for you. Mm-hmm. Fine, special, but <laughs> still, is. that yeah. is a very, very fast version of the track. Which yeah. you know, the Four Lads version was very, very slow. I was surprised to see that even in the fairly recent, um, uh, what am I trying to say here? The Fair. not too long after it was originally recorded. The early, the early interpretation. The, the early, the words. The, You're not yeah, exactly the, the early. <laughs> the early. He's hoping you just don't like of Istanbul. <laughs> The point is, it's faster. It's faster. It's faster. It, it's faster and it builds speed. Yes. It, it bu- starts yeah. off at one tempo and then speeds up with maybe each round, but at not, least not the last one. The not last much. one or two. They do something different with each round. Yeah. And that I enjoyed. Um, and I was singing along too. If you're going to have a round, each round better offer something new. That's, that's what it comes down to. And um, a sizable amount of tracks on this album did do that. And I enjoyed that here. There's that one really twangy guitar that kind of sounds like it could be a piano or a synth of some sort. And it's not. It's just a twangy guitar. Yeah, that's the other thing we really like here. Because you don't get that as much today. The really (laughs) high-pitched, crisp guitar that was, like, you know, fed into these mics that really weren't refined yet. So you'd get a lot of treble. A lot of treble. Not a lot of bass unless the bass was, like, shoved right up to its own direct mic. But that was the sound of the 50s and 60s. I mean, I think that adds a kind of a nostalgic tone to it. Well, I kind of liked it here because most modern music that has that kind of a sound, it's all pre-processed, synthesized, usually not oh, yeah. legit. Exactly. Whereas this is just a guitar making that. That's why I thought yeah. it was a keyboard, because it sounded 
almost synthetic which is why past the first track the quality of the recording didn't bother me anymore i I stopped noticing it after the first track it's like yeah it's that first horn gets you but after that it you accept it as of the time and i love that sort of guitar work okay track six mushroom machine oh i love the bobby arlen this was one of this was this had some of the most i want (laughs) matt hurt himself yeah this has some of the most iconic sounding guitar work for the 1950s and early 60s i love that sort of guitar work uh matt likened it to bb king almost that's not a bad uh i i could easily see that yeah yeah what i liked about this track is straight up it's a giant solo i mean how much more variation could you possibly want from a track the it goes through various incarnations of solo work and i enjoyed each and every one of them but the great thing about it is the track wasn't too long so the solo never and you never got tired of him like just freestyling there are a lot of jam tracks that have lots of solos that I go bored with because they go on for five minutes uh, it depends I mean if if, if <coughs> I mean it depends on the quality as well but I mean like there was a, a, a Hendrix quality I, he could go on forever right but those I could listen to. Yeah, yeah yeah but yeah. we're at the point now where like I think all of these songs are under four minutes I think most of them are under like Two. Yeah, most of yeah. them might be under two minutes. They're all really short songs. Like, in terms of the album, we're at the point where we're no longer hearing the sleazy guitar or sleazy horn that might like harken back to Mancini. It's right. all rock and blues, and it's really fast and sexy and short and to the point. Eh, kind of Chuck Berry-ish, also. Very Chuck Berry. Yeah. His, his style of guitar work, which is why I don't even know why I brought out Hendrix before, but e- even... You know, Chuck Berry could still keep you interested for longer sure. than just a few minutes, despite that he did tend to keep it pretty short, <coughs> yeah. except yeah. during his live stuff. Well, you, hey. you bring up Hendrix because it's two completely different kinds of guitarists. You have Hendrix going on forever and hammering on and being almost like the sleazy horn that we're hearing in the beginning of the song. Right. But because he was at least at the time the only one doing what he did, and he can go on for ten it. minutes. Yeah. 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 And but uh, Chuck Berry was maniacal in his own way for the time. Yeah, I mean, to yeah, be honest, other styles as well. Yeah. <laughs> One I'm surprised you didn't bring up is uh, Santana. Well, because that's later, later. I don't know. Yeah. I, I guess the immediate connection wasn't there. I, I, I see a little bit of him. Yeah, the the Latin later in the Latin. Album. Yeah, the Latin. Okay, yes. Yeah. Later in this album, yeah, I see a little bit of that. Uh, all right. The but more before more I think we get about it. before we get to like the good Hendrix Santana, everybody's awesome. <laughs> yeah, stuff, we have a bit of a have, interlude. Oh, this is not even an interlude. Uh, this is, I have to call it this. This I wanted to call the cops on. <laughs> this it is an interlude by all standards of what interludes are today. It was called Twist Talk by Jack Hammer, and it was essentially a sketch almost. It was a I, sketch. It wasn't really. It was a variation of the twist, yeah. and the twist is nothing like you know. There's the twist, and then there's not. Yeah. So, sure, they did it right. <laughs> they got it right. It's a yeah. twist, sure, right. but that's not what the emphasis no, of it is, the, is about at all. It's it's the there's, dialogue. There's and the dialogue no... is so boring and annoying. Oh it's no, not it's not just boring. Annoying. It's bizarre. It's creepy. Yeah, bizarre is what I gotta say. Because <laughs> at times I was a little bit entertained, in, and, in as much as a, I'm supposed to be by a sketch. At times I was worried for what was gonna happen to that woman at the end <laughs> of the sketch. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, it she didn't, didn't sound like, like the guy was joking, and I'm pretty sure she. And was it didn't on sound something. like she was she was smart enough to know 
like that he was serious. I think I think <laughs> that the question of that song is supposed to be somewhere between is this girl an idiot or is she on something? And or if she's th- on something, does she know that she's on something? And I, yeah. this this is by far my least like, favorite song on the album and just, maybe just, in all of life. Uh-huh. Just shut up and twist. Just, yeah. just keep dancing. And I'm so, like, what is he going to do to her? Yeah, I don't want to think And, and that <laughs> spoiled the whole repetitive nature the, to me. The last yeah. third of the track, I'm convinced, was some form of rape. Some. Some, some I thought form. we weren't supposed to talk about that. It's we could talk about it. I could say, say the word. Yeah, let's just not be graphic about it. it. But if you listen to the song, you'll get the it, graphic it, nature it, of it. Yeah, the, one of the last lines is like why do i keep moving in circles and he's yeah, like just shut kinda. up before i staple your other floor uh, foot to the floor and it's like yeah it oh. gets it gets kind of graphic <laughs> yeah well yeah. Not, maybe not graphic in a realistic extremely way extremely suggestive it, it, cartoon yes, graphic suggestive. in a way that as it, any rational person but at least as a woman uh, is extremely honest, unpleasant <laughs> it seems like kind of I, if I'm going to infer anything, it seems like a little bit of a satire on what um, mainstream, I guess the older generation, would have perceived that the music of this caliber was doing to the younger generation. Yeah, exactly. I think it's that, because it, it's definitely satire. It's not, I don't think you're supposed to be just, that's <laughs> funny, he's, he's this demeaning is her. Like, this is kind of like <laughs> you're not the, supposed to be saying that. The, the commercial where they're explaining how Billy has gotten himself into trouble. Yeah, it's definitely like a yeah. Reefer Madness song, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. right? I miss those. Exactly. <laughs> we used to listen to them, uh, and it was always fun. What, the fun soundtrack about. from the, the remake of Reefer Madness? Is that what you're talking about? No, we used to listen to those old, uh, watch those old YouTube clips. Oh, the PSAs? Yeah, yeah. Public Service, yeah. <laughs> oh, God, they were hysterical. 50s there's, PSAs there's were ones. pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. My favorite was the ones about the nukes. <laughs> anyway. So, the, yeah, this old. sounds like this could have been dropped in one of those Public Service analysis. Uh, it's like, this is a sketch. This is what will happen to you if you go to one of these lounges. <laughs> and now we have a nice slow Cubana song, La Soriella de Cristina. <laughs> What was that? You're Italian, right? Because that was horrible. I'm pretty sure this song is <laughs> at least supposed to be Italian. It didn't feel Italian. So, so they, uh, it did it, didn't, it feel didn't feel Italian. La sole, it, felt la very, it felt very <laughs> like Cuban or yeah. Yeah. some kind of salsa inspired. And it's it's definitely the slowest song. It's a little bit more sultry. Not mm. even sultry, like a dangerous version. Yeah. Like femme fatale style of sultry, yeah. which is... Something I don't hear very often nowadays. I really loved the piano work in here. That re- extremely complemented the dark, whispering nature of the vocalist. Yeah. It kind of had a Black Heart Procession vibe to it, if anyone is familiar with that band. No. Um, no, we're not. Okay, that's unfortunate. Well, for anyone who is, check out the Black Heart Procession. Um, Amori Del Tropico album, track two. Yeah, track two. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, because I, I, I scary savant. <laughs> and then definitely, put, definitely two. <laughs> <laughs> of course, John. Of course. Blackheart procession. Pointed. Yes, blackheart <laughs> procession. Um, I, I, it's just something I noticed, but of course, I know the blackheart procession was trying to achieve this era uh, of sound. Yeah. So you know, I'm referencing something modern and comparing this to something modern. It's kind of a non-point. But can we, can we talk about the? 
femme fatale piano work again. I absolutely adored that. Yeah. I, was, I feel I was like digging that. if you're going to throw out the word noir at any point in the album, this is the point to do it. I yeah. kept throwing, trying to throw it out. He's like, this is noir, John. Can I call this noir? Noir but I'm, I'm, I gotta step back here because what's everyone's definition of noir? 1940s, like Maltese Falcon, Casablanca. Maltese Falcon is the definition of yeah, noir. Maltese Falcon. Yeah. For, okay. But just that dark element. Obviously, this you wouldn't play this in the Maltese Falcon. Like you couldn't do a YouTube fan video. Okay, so kind of a subtle, <laughs> a subtle, a subtle yeah. nod to something I, a little even, bit more dangerous. I say even something Casablanca is almost noir. Yeah, to me, as as That's a like Puerto Rican listening to this song, what this sounds like is late '40s Cuban son, almost like something that is reminiscent of tango music, but isn't tango, mm. but is on its way there got sidetracked what the on its way to tango <laughs> yeah i'm being yeah. metaphorical yeah it it, it was no, on its no, way to it's tango kind of like it got saw something shiny went over in that direction <laughs> which, which is how i describe my life shiny. a little bit ah. right on its way to tango well, and then oh my god sparkles the love is there yeah the mm, <laughs> um how about the woman oh scary woman Scary woman who's going to use you up and throw you away. John's dream girl. Uh, nice, nice. I don't of... say dream girl, but she's up there. <laughs> the girl of his nightmares. Nice use of breathing. The best kind of nightmares. <laughs> like the kind of nightmares that you need to Can wake up from. Can I point out though that for the time that this must have come out, this must have been super like. Oh, this racy. must have been like very racy. Even the in the context of now, racy. there's like. There's a lot of guitar and piano, and then it stops, and she would say something, except for halfway through, she wasn't saying anything. She, she was, was just, just breathing. She was just breathing. She was just breathing. And breathing. Moaning, yeah. breathing <laughs> I don't think she was trying to catch her breath. I just want to put that out there. <laughs> I, I don't think there was any actual moaning, though. I think it was just the... The breathing. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. heavy breathing. It's definitely suggestive of something more yeah. sexual happening, even for today. Yeah. Well, that racy. was part of the exotic appeal, I think, by people of the 1950s. They wanted to vacation to these places. They thought we we're, were going to get to this big adventure. Yeah. They wanted that. So they saw it in their music. You know, that was it was marketing. It was very Probably. good marketing. Yeah. That, that, that's my um, social point of the day. <laughs> I, it's almost a crime novel waiting to happen. That's the song. See, I don't know. You keep seeing this. This I, I keep seeing. I do I get the noir. I it darker I, than it is. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, it I wasn't that just, dark, John. It's not, not necessarily dark. It's just the femme fatale. That's what I see in this song. A representation of her. Alluring but dangerous. I think this is part Fair of enough. the exotica That's packaging. That's just what I was going to is say. That this, there's this sort of escapism, this highly sexualized cultural appropriation behind almost everything in that, the album. That is exactly how I would put it. And yes. this, this, this track <laughs> is... is yeah, this, it exemplifies that whole entire thing. If you're going to... Like, yes, we have a lot of basic rock and roll here, but this is pure exotica, if ever I would to, you know, label it. Which is one. funny, because there's labels. nothing faux Polynesian about it. Yeah, that's kind of interesting. It's just exotic. There's nothing yeah, actually, that you yeah, look true. at and you think, hey, Hawaii, I want to throw on a grass skirt. It's, it's not just, exotica, it's just exotic. Ex- yeah. There we go. But it's still exotica. These two yeah. are going to be best friends. <laughs> like... I'm learning about a new genre. I don't get to hear... I don't get that every day. So well, every once in a while, you two just go on your tangent, and I just look at Matt, and we just kind of look at each other, and we're like, yeah, okay. Well, I'd have more to say if I had the strength. I just... I, my head's spinning, so... <laughs> yeah, I'm letting them barely... run... 
I'm letting them no run with it. No self-deprecation. What self-deprecation? Deca- he doesn't I feel, feel good. Sick. Leave him alone. Look at his little red face. Thanks. All right. My that squeezes my nose. This is another one of my favorite tracks. There's two favorite tracks here. This is one of them. Big Bad Boss Beat by the Teen Beat. It doesn't sound this like you're gonna is, like it, but I liked it. I really, really did. This is pre-surf rock miserlu summed up. Mm-hmm. This is just on the cusp of that surf rock noise. You need to describe that miserlu. Miserlu. It's Dick Dale's most famous song. I think it was in Pulp Fiction. That one. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Am I allowed to do more? I don't know. Is that copy written? (laughs) It was under under five seconds. Good. Good. Good to go. It's fair use. It was in in Pulp Fiction. It It was Pulp Fiction. Yes. Yes. You ever seen Pulp Fiction? It was in that. (laughs) It was that song with the music. This track was another round, but... It the, was main, awesome. the main theme was so compelling. Probably one of the most compelling themes on the album for me personally. Um, it's exciting. It really is exciting. It feels like some kind of car chase. Do you listen to Dick Dale? I don't. You I, should. Or I, or you I will love the Dick best. Dale. <laughs> you will love Dick Dale. Yeah. Miser Lou is Dick Dale's most famous song, but he but does a really great version of Havanagila. He's got. He's <laughs> what? Got, yes, what? Yes, a surf version of Havanagila. It's this amazing. Guy is, he created <laughs> the surfer tone. Yeah. The surfer tone. What, the the you say surfer that that, tone. The crash. <laughs> he always makes his generalizations, and you know he always the has this thing where it's like, is it the, proper or not? I don't no, know. no, no. This is the crash <laughs> noise that surfers latched onto for the longest time right. to represent. Would you say this led to beach rock? Yes, it's yes. definitely the oh, precursor certainly. to okay. the Beach Boys. Yes. The precursor to Beatra. All right, I they think learn things from Dick. Piecing Pale. this together, then. Yeah, but yeah, it's it's not as them. cheesy as like the Beach Boys, or it's more like. It wasn't good vibrations. It was dangerous. Yeah. The more and more we talk about this, this is becoming infinitely more fascinating. Just because it it exists as this almost, if we're considered that rock and roll at its basic form was pretty simplistic but revolutionary for the time, this is probably. The first step in another direction. It's before beach rock. It's before all those other variations, all those other uh, subgenres that came out in the '60s that you know seemed to push it even farther. But this is just the first step. Yeah, this and is. I why... find that kind of fascinating. Yeah, this is why I brought this album on is because I listened to a lot of different kinds of music, and we were Matt and I were originally talking about what I should bring, and we were like, "Oh, I'll bring J-pop." That's like, <laughs> yeah, don't little, even think I'm a about upset, it. Of course, J-pop. But I forgive you. <laughs> Because I'm not heard... upset. This is I'm, I'm very. Uh, well, satisfied. you know, I mean, I, I feel ho- like I was talking about it so often. <laughs> you and I could talk J-pop. about J-pop probably I heard and like about ten years. Turn it into a My Little Pony discussion for an hour, and that would be a thing. But I feel like this is something that we could all at least discuss intellectually because it was almost. It wasn't the grandfather of all modern rock, but it definitely was a gateway into what we see as surf rock now, rockabilly, a lot of... A little bit of the psychotropic, a little bit of... I mean, this, these are the roots of, like, punk, of heavy metal, of what we consider alternative. Yeah, I even, mean, there's even, so much I'm, I'm gonna go off that on a, started a here. A little bit of a grandiose metaphor here. Oh, no, that's my job. <laughs> I think I do it more than you, actually. <laughs> But in this case, I don't know. The way, just considering the last episode when we were talking about steampunk and everything, how steampunk, in many ways, is kind of taking, for for a, an older time period, in that case the 19th century, it's sort of taking their idea of the future 
I feel like in some way that's what this is. This is what someone of the 1950s thought that rock could have gone towards, mm -hmm. kind of incorporating all these other themes, all these other cultures, and kind of turning rock into this cultural fusion device. In many ways, that would that didn't happen like as suddenly as right. I think they had hoped it would. But it went it into a lot accurate. of other things first. But this is but accurate. It, yeah. yeah. This is a it's compilation. A, it's, a nice, it's a nice thought. <laughs> of this is this is the evolutionary branches of rock. I think that even when you look at what this most directly turned into, which is when you look at the 90s resurgence of swing culture and everything mm. that that brought with it, including Exotica and that kind of late 50s rock and also like the burlesque and pinup and all of that happening, it ended up turning into something obviously similar. Like you hear hints of it when you listen to like... Big Bad Voodoo Daddy, and more recently, oh, yeah. Imelda May. Like, you can... That. Right? But that's definitely where it came from. It's the the 90s swing revival and what eventually led to the burlesque revival and why these things are hand-in-hand. Yeah. Hand. It still sounds different. It's still a more evolved version of what the, we're listening to. This certainly to. wouldn't be something that's right at the forefront, I guess, of what most people consider to be the musical family tree. It would be, you'd have to dig a little bit. Yeah. You'd have to look a little bit on the peripheral, but it's there. And it's, it's interesting. You know what? We're going to get rid of Steve. We're keeping you because <laughs> you do his job so well and you speak in only English. I, I, <laughs> I don't have the musical background that Steve has. <laughs> I, I can talk about when the song. No, I'm really pissed at you today. I, I can talk about when the song goes into a minor key change and be really excited about that, and that's about that's it. That's what he does. <laughs> no. Okay. Can we keep her around, but also keep me around? I'm not gonna stay around. <laughs> ladies, ladies, you're both pretty. Not referring to Kita. We know Kita's pretty. Both of you, shut up. Oh, Matt's you're both still here. Oh yeah, yes. Matt. Matt, what's the next track? Matt. The, yeah, we need you. The next track is called Pygmy. It's by the oh, the delegates. I couldn't read my own handwriting. I, I okay, so I Organ really, solo. Yeah, this, I love Mushroom Machine and I love Big Bad Boss Beat, but Pygmy by far is my favorite song on this album and I don't know why. It's jazz, first off. Right. I love organ what? solos. It's an organ <laughs> solo jazz. I feel like that's a t shirt waiting to happen for Steve. <laughs> I love organ solos. I love organ shows. solos. Okay. Oh god. So be Stop sure trying to hipsterfy me. I don't like it. You're <laughs> on the cusp, Steve. <laughs> Keep You're your always eyes. on the cusp. To the audience, you keep your me, eyes on the Crash happen. Chords website because eventually they're going to have I Love Organ Solos t-shirts for sale. Uh, <laughs> stop well. mapping our future. I, I don't, don't want to get it, a, I want to get right? a shirt that's on the front says we're passionate, we're passionate, and on the back a little font that says but we care. That would be awesome. I'd wear oh that everywhere. God. You guys, you have so much opportunity for great merch. Yeah. <laughs> so You're much. great merch, man. You're great merch. It's just You're like rad says, merch. Like rad, so rad. Just a shirt that says dot dot dot. Sure. <laughs> Steve's so pissed at me. Bro, uh, John's organ solo. Anyway, a jazzy oh. organ solo. Jazzy Interesting, organ solo. different, something we don't hear nowadays because we barely hear jazz and music nowadays. Uh, uh, that that's not true at all. It does not touch mainstream the same They're way. They're John Ghost making claims. That's not true. Who? Jazz is so prevalent right now. Yeah. You're, you're not in the circle. I don't listen to it, so I can't tell you, but it's out oh. there. I'm looking to see if who. What, you mean, you mean a friend or something like that? A friend that you don't know? No, like music nowadays. I mean, what, all right. He, what's on, on, the, on the pop scene, <laughs> Jamie Cullum. Jamie, Jamie Cullum. Who? None of you know Jamie Cullum. I don't no. know Jamie Cullum. 
Wow, that's actually kind of surprising. He's really, like, he's pop jazz, if I've ever heard it. Straight up piano jazz, but, like, popified. I mean, he's if you want to get more popular pop, Michael Bublé, maybe? Oh, actually, yeah, that's yeah. pop, pop, pop. Which I, I mean, really don't to. Well, but that a doesn't mean it doesn't exist, no, do. If it's not in my mind, it doesn't exist. I mean, the thing about Michael Bublé... There's a multiple Bublé. universe theory that does actually <laughs> prove John correct in that instance. Thank you, Steve. Yeah, uh, Seriously? Why would you do that? Okay, I don't know. If you it want was a something more likely that you've encountered, Nouveau Vogue's version of Teenage Kicks was featured in some... It might have been, like, a Lord and Taylor commercial recently. They give it all the time, and it's like a bossa nova version of Teenage Kicks. Um, I don't know what any of that means. We're done. Gotan. <laughs> okay, no, I'm totally on. <laughs> We're board. done. I'm totally on board with you. Were you about to po- say Gotan? Gotan Project. Oh, Gotan oh. Project isn't that popular. Uh, they've been featured in commercials. They're also Tango Fusion. I guess you could call that jazz. Hey, it's it's it has its origins in jazz. I okay. feel like it's more jazz than it is tango, but it uses it uses tango. It's as, trip as hop. A... It's tango trip hop. Yes, it's like Porter's head as tango. Considering that, that's exactly how I put it. Yeah. Con- considering I TV all of my TV shows, I've never seen any of these commercials. <laughs> um, it was a Zales commercial. One of those. I remember the Seriously, I didn't. Wow. I didn't see that, but I'm happy that, that was solid right there. No, I'll give you that. That was solid. Zales. Good for you. I like Zales. <laughs> Seriously. No. Me, me too. <laughs> so after Pygmy, we get to Simon's our Zeph- second Zeph- cover of Istanbul. Which this, this time is by the Twister. It's actually not the same song, it's just the same title. Istanbul Twist. It's Istanbul... Well, it should be Istanbul Twist. Okay. I'm calling it Istanbul we Twist. We can call it that. It's actually just called Istanbul, but it's not the this... Istanbul, not Constantinople. Yeah, yeah. it's a different yeah. song. Um, this was... This was experimenting it. with it a little more, but I know you didn't like it. <laughs> no, this was extremely re- re- repeating. Like that. Thanks, Porky Pig. <laughs> That's what it was I kind of like the harmonies the harmonies granted they didn't vary much but it offered something new for a tried and true track I liked I I liked the harmonies and the track was okay but by the end I did get tired of it by the end for a short track it did wear on me Mm -hmm. yeah it's not in the upper echelon it was like twist and I was like no, Twisted. I, don't, I don't really want to. You're not. You're not doing it for me. Like I get it. You're the mother of dragons, but ask me how my day was. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love that was a great reference. I love that. <laughs> oh, they're in that phase now. Uh, Be quiet. Am <laughs> I back on the list? You're back on the list. <laughs> All right, my personal, actually, favorite track because it was better than the previous favorites. This is the true favorite, exotic. <laughs> Exotic. Is that this was this was the purest of rock and roll with my favorite type of rock and roll guitar, the crisp speed guitar. I gotta comment on something else first. Oh, that sax. And what? I don't know if I dug the sax. (laughs) It's simple, or the way you said it, it was just like that sax. Hashtag that that sax. (laughs) Hashtag that sax. I mean, I I just don't. In what? Wait, exotic? Uh, exotic. I, I. it was a little bit grating. I wasn't following the sax. Yeah, I was enough, following the guitar I, I, work. And I did enjoy the guitar work. It's just, as an introduction to the song, that sax just leapt out. Eh, it was it was a little bit grating to my ears. I've no. had this album for five years. I don't even remember the sax on that Me song. Neither. It was sexy sax. It Was it sexy sax? It's more, I, could, I couldn't tell I if, like it was, if it was a human wailing. 
or if it was a saxophone. Oh, it was that weird, like, beluga yeah. whale sax. That, yes, that was it. <laughs> All right, granted, it's experimentation. It's just, I don't know. It, it took. Forget it, about that. Focused on the guitar. No, I won't. Meh. Okay, well. It started off on such a jarring note for him. Yeah, but no, there was I don't no care. recovering. I really didn't care at all about this two song. Two minute and Because ten it was song. an intense, <laughs> beautiful guitar solo. It was enjoyable. I did like the crisp nature of it. I personally think the guitar solo was a little bit better back in, um, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, Mushroom Machine. I would, uh, I would count Mushroom Machine just behind this. I'm with Steve. I think I like Mushroom Machine a little bit better. Well, you, guys, you guys are allowed to be wrong. I, you know, they're like... Oh, so I the person feel... who's been wrong all night. Oh, snap. I feel oh, like they're my children true. and they're Even both Steve great for different reasons. Right. Stop talking over our guest, yes? Oh, <laughs> the guitar in both of those songs is great for different reasons, right? Yes. It's like you can't pick your favorite. It's like they're your babies. Oh, I everyone listens favorite. to music differently. Yeah. All mothers all mothers okay. say they can I just point out that like John who uses your quote over and over again <laughs> I haven't said that quote since episode like 12 and you say it more than I do now and he's because it was so great that's yeah. it that's it. It's, it's so profound. That's it's gonna be the so other shirt. Profound. Your face is profound. We Thank have you. an entire line that's of t-shirts. That's a compliment and you did that wrong. <laughs> Your face is profound. Metacast. <laughs> Alright. Beat girl. So apparently we were educated to know that this was actually a theme from a movie. Yes. And then this is a remake of that theme. Yeah. Which I'm going to go back on myself and basically make myself into a hypocrite because this was the best solo on the album. This is the best song on the album. Not song. Actually. I think it's the best song on the album. Mm, no, I, I, I think. Really close. I think it is. I think, I think this might so this might beat Mushroom Machine a little bit. I think it's the most dynamic song on the album. Yes. That I would definitely and agree. I think it is the most progressive track on the album. And it's entirely because oh, they're covering right. John Barry. Mm. Progressive did mean progressive before it was a genre. Like you can use progressive as a descriptor. Except whenever I, I try, try to use it as a descriptor, he's like, "No, that's because wrong. you're but wrong." Because you use it wrong. Because you use no, it I wrong. use it correctly, but he thinks I mean the genre. Oh, okay. always. Yeah, no, I'm I'm using this as a descriptor in this particular case. It it no, it has more it. variation than almost any other track. Any other track, yeah. I could attribute some form of round to it. Um, it didn't even really feel like there's a lot of verse chorus structure in a lot of other tracks necessarily. Yeah. This is this definitely went somewhere. Yeah, it did. And uh, this also incorporated that um, kind of a, a little bit of a, I would, probably a darker tone. Maybe even darker than, um, what was that, Sorella de Cristina? Mm-hmm. Uh, Less Sorella. Yes, I would say this was definitely darker yeah. than that. Which is, you know, that's one of the this reasons had I'm, that I'm dangerous kind of kind challenging of dark you tone. on that point, John, is because I got a lot more here than I did there. There, I just got sensual, you know. With the woman, I didn't find that noir nature to it. It just was essential. It was pure exotic. This had a gritty nature to it. Yeah, um, it was it was definitely in the chord progression. I, I saw it was kind of like a minor take on that blues progression. Yes. And uh, that's what I enjoyed. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> no. I think that the reason <laughs> you that... sure of me. <laughs> I almost sure. agree. <laughs> I, I will almost agree emphatically. But it's only an almost. I think it's just a little bit less <clears throat> in the darkness. But I definitely see it. I definitely yeah. agree with you on that aspect. You're speaking in the most vague terms today. I will almost agree with you, but not quite to the extent that you would right. like me to. Commit. 
I think the two of them I did commit write down, to anything, that I will write down that this Nothing may be the other. best song. <laughs> That's true. But it's not quite there for me. Which did and you think was the best song? The one before this? Uh, I would call Exotic, Exotic the best song on the album. That's Purely because that's the guitar work that made me cry growing up. That was the most beautiful thing I could hear growing up. So it's amazing pieces like that. Yeah. Little tidbits of nearly divine I did music enjoy work. that guitar. I guess you could just say I enjoyed it more on a um, the figuration element of it. That kind of is a background nature. Uh, I, was... I think it complements the track very well. It complements the melody very well. Um... But, you know, I wasn't seeing anything in the forefront with that track. The way I see it, Exotic is nice and Beat Girl is good. That's a pretty appropriate way to describe it. Wow. Those are the two words we settle on as a summation. That's actually... (laughs) One is nice and one is good. We'll go with that. Beat Girl is dark because the movie that it's taken from is almost like a warning of beat culture like again it's another reefer badness kind of like watch out for your daughters they might get taken up with those hipsters and be smoking the marijuana oh no we don't do that here no no not here (coughs) Uh, it doesn't help though that we clearly announced that there was alcohol involved last week with our um i wasn't drinking celtic cast there's nothing against alcohol. You're it's not that, on television. We can't see you drinking. I, I know, stopped drinking funny. when we started recording. It's amusing because it's, um, of our no, company. What's, <laughs> no, what's funny is that it took us like 40-something episodes to actually drink on the podcast. That's true. We, we, always, we always joke about it. Especially it considering happened. I have to put up with you guys every week. I'm surprised. <laughs> Track 14, The Wild Bird. By the Jivatones. In much the same way that I deemed uh Congo rock. Actually, no, that'll get it. As much as I deemed that to be just straight-up rock and roll, I deemed this track to be straight-up blues. Yes. Um, with very little variation. Blue. Yeah. Very little variation from the core elements. You know, you can... We had, we had nice, and we had good so far. I want to just... It's sweet blues, and that's about it. Yeah. So, yeah, anybody looking for anything else from this track? But if you love blues, sure, you might like this. I mean, this track was very one-dimensional, but it's not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. It was just, it was very much blues, and that's it's, it. It's like a museum yeah. piece. Yeah. There's, <laughs> that's kind of the... there's a few songs on this album where it feels like it's maybe just a little bit filler. Yeah, and yeah. a little safe. A little, yeah, it's safe. safe. Like, listening yeah. to For it as, time, a, anyway. as a performer, I hear it, and I think this would be a great go-go track. Well, I, uh, this is a sampler album. Mm-hmm. If you're going to be doing the music of the era, you need to have blues, and what better exemplifies it? Yeah. This is everything you would expect. That's so, true. There you go. That's my defense of it. <laughs> Otherwise, it, was, it wasn't really There great. you go. It wasn't special. <laughs> yeah. It was very much blues. It's it's good blues. It's nice. Okay. <laughs> Or as John, as John would say, proper blues. It's done proper, properly. It's, it's done properly. Proper blues. Proper. Yeah. Which means proper nothing. Proper. I've decided the word proper means Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. Nada. I mean, it's like nice. It's nice. That's nice. What a nice man. Nice doesn't mean anything, nor does proper. You know, I have so many well, uh, anecdotes well, of well. people, professors who have completely barred the word nice from appearing on any of their term papers. That makes sense. Yeah. It's really? an empty word. Yeah. 
Oh, I no, I feel like in certain obviously I feel this way in certain instances it's useful. It's it's useful uh when you want to say something bad about it, but you want to be nice. <laughs> no, nice. it's it's not necessarily a diplomatic way of saying that this Bless didn't her heart, speak she's to me. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> that's really southern. That's a really southern way that's of saying southern. I kind of hate this person. Well, no, it's there's something wrong with her. That's, or, that's okay. Bless her heart. Minis- her. Minnesota nice her. is another good example. <laughs> that uh, that whole. Oh, so so you work with the sanitation department? Well, that's, oh, that's no. nice. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to track fifteen. For the kick by the kicks. This was very self-explanatory. The kick by the kicks. Of what it was? No, no, not at all. This was, the, as I think Steve coined it. The Flying Lotus of the 60s. This was a weird track. It was weird. This is... For the time is, period um, especially, yeah. Yeah. Kind of out there. Birds. Uh, experimental. Birds. Definitely experimental. Hey, birds, birds, birds. You, you know what it was, aside from, like, put a bird on it. Exotica. <laughs> you know? It's... It, so... I got that. Yeah. Uh, thanks. <laughs> no, it, it, one of it's... the main characteristics of Exotica when the term was coined and Arthur Lyman was still like the quintessential Exotica musician was the animal sounds, the, the random, I got too drunk and now I'm pretending to be a peacock or whatever. <laughs> Wait, what? That's the story of why there are so many animal sounds in Exotica. He is got drunk and pretended Arthur to be a peacock. Lyman one day during a performance apparently had too much to drink and started making jungle noises like started pretending to be a monkey yeah and being like "Ah!" and now when you if you go to an exotica show or if you listen to exotica music it's it's one of the things you'll be listening to quiet village and it'll be this xylophone and then "Ah!" there are tattoos of animals on your arm and now i'm wondering if, if you've incorporated this pastime um no this is the early bird getting the worm Oh. Also, I have cats. Oh, generally cats. Okay. okay. Well, that, that's self-explanatory. <laughs> okay. We don't need to explain it. Just saying. Right. Um, yeah, no, it's early bird getting the worm and, like, a unicorn. I have a lot of unicorn tattoos. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned the whole animal thing, because uh, as much as I was kind of, I guess you could say, making fun of... Uh, of Congo, Congo Rock for the, the Jaguar because it was just there. Yeah. He didn't do anything with it. It wasn't really used musically. <laughs> it was kind of just a filler soundbite. In this case, it was actual composition using those sounds. Literally. I respect that, having taken a very rigorous computer and electronic music course, uh, <laughs> where which made use of a lot of different soundbites and actually uh, experimented with composing them into something solid and i saw that here yeah legit it's hard to take an animal sound and make it relevant but exotica is definitely one of the few genres to do that yep and uh achieved Uh, (laughs) at least in the achievement unlocked in this particular at least in the kick not so much in congo rock but (laughs) i like your silly little hat taboo taboo the this is this is a great way to end it. I like the way that this album ended. Taboo was a Middle Eastern bar. I likened it to somewhere stuck in between Casablanca and Indiana Jones. In feel. It was almost like the first time Great Britain was in Afghanistan fighting way back when, when you know, mechanized things were new. It had that, that sort of, uh, I don't know how to really explain it. That that's apparent. No, I can't do it. <laughs> I can't do it. It's, you don't say much, Matt, but when you do... <laughs> it's 
40s, 50s Egyptian bar. This is a song that when... I'd say even 20s, 30s. Yeah. Maybe that early. This is a song that when we were talking about it, we said um, you could take Fritz Lang's Indian Tomb and dump this over it, and it would still make sense. And I thought that was a fantastic metaphor. In fact, the metaphor of the day. Um, no... No, sorry, John. Sorry. Your streak sorry. of having good metaphors you know, was over. I mean, no, Casablanca and Indiana Jones yes, is a good one. I think that's a streak. <laughs> that's a streak. What is a streak? <laughs> well, he was running around naked while doing it, so <laughs> it was not running. <laughs> I don't run. I saunter. <laughs> He's sauntering around naked while. I don't even. <laughs> Where has this discussion gone? I have no idea. <laughs> In any case, I, I really, really liked that metaphor because I, I, I there's something a little bit hypnotic of, of when you consider, um, I guess, the Western early 20th century interpretation of what music from the Mideasts was like. And I do actually say Far East because I think Indian was a good way to put it. Like, I, 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 hear, I hear a scale in there that might, might have, I can't verify this, so I'm being... I'm saying this loosely, but might be somewhere uh, in some part of India. But I, Egyptian not... is also, I hear that more prevalent also. I'm, 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 I'm reaching with this one. I'm not sure if India would technically be considered Far East. India is South Asia. Yeah. South Asia, well. Far... Or Indian subcontinent. Sometimes lumped in with Mid-East, sometimes lumped in well, with Far East. Well, since it's between the Mid-East Indian. and the Far East, can we call it Mid-Far East? Can we just call it the East? Can we call it Middle Earth? It's like, not. Ooh. It it's looks not absolutely nothing. It's totally like not. Earth. No, yeah. it's like New Zealand. They have they have all the fonts, so they have all the fonts. All the fonts. Oh. Tolkien couldn't call <laughs> animals giant by their elephants. I thought you said all the fonts. I'm like, are what? <laughs> We're bringing back the font conversation. Q gnome and all his uh, things he had to say. No, 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 Nutriface. No, Reference last week. Oh, I'm sorry. You upset. You broke your pencil. I got. That's more. what she said. I got more. <laughs> Oh, no. painful. So let's, I guess let's start wrapping up on the album. So, I mean, this was kind of a tough one for me because of, because of all the instrumental, I mean, and because I'm sick, I'm just had trouble kind of focusing on it, but I did, I did like what I heard. It's just, I don't know. It was definitely very different from anything we've done before. That's for sure. And apparent most. I mean, from what we review on this podcast yeah sure it's very different from that but uh, first of all i for you that's fine but the fact that it's an instrumental does not in any way make me less focused in fact probably no i wasn't less focused focused because it was instrumental i was less focused because i'm sick oh well that's different yes not what i thought you said though nevertheless i kind of treat it like you said that that's right. I will continue having my own imagination here. Uh, there's something about this album. I can't put my finger on it, but it, it's, it almost feels retro, even though I know that it's of the time period. It sounds like it might have even been a little bit retro for then. Does anyone have a date of release here? Do you have a date? You know, I want to say 63. 60-ish. I don't remember. Um, it was released on Paris Hollywood Records. I can tell you that much. Hmm. I I'm gonna assume I think this it gonna was about sixty three. Yeah, we're gonna yeah. have to look that up. In any case, my overall impressions I I see it. I have to treat it like what it is today. It's a um. It's it's insight into the time. That's what I, that's what I label that as, and there's definitely 
tracks that I enjoy. There's other tracks which are a little dull. It's mainly the bare-bones rock and roll and blues tracks that I, I guess didn't really offer me much. Um, but there's a lot of interesting experimentation here, which I didn't... I guess you could say it kind of surprised me. From the first track on, it, it did get better. It really did. It's just an, generally an uphill album for me. So what you're saying is the album progressed? <laughs> it's almost like that. Just, just a bit. But, uh... I don't know. We want to jump in with ratings here? Yeah. I mean, we we're, we should rate it. I mean, I know it's sometimes harder when we try and rate stuff that's out of time, but... I mean... This is a solid 3.5 for me. Okay. It's mid-range. There's nothing super breakthrough here, but because it's mood music, that elevates it from being, you know, anywhere lower. Like, it... It's, right. it, it's not it endeavors, poor. It endeavors to set a particular mood, but I think it certainly achieves. Um, so I, I'm very in the middle on it. Um, okay. Just kind of weighing the good with the bad here. Okay. Like, it's, it's a tug of war. No one's winning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, that seems like a fair rating. Yeah. Uh, Sorry, I'm not more, uh, you know. I mean, there's not... Today. The, there's not a lot to say about... A lot to say about it outside of what we've already said. You know, we critiqued the things that we're going to critique. I didn't think this was going to be an hour-long review, I'll tell you that. No, yeah, I didn't either. <laughs> well, we kept getting Nor did my sinuses or my brain. Um, Words are hard. Yeah, what John said. But for me, I would I would agree with Steve. I'd say it's definitely a one, uh, 3.5. You know, it's not average. It's a little above average. By no means does that mean it's bad, but it's not something that... Remember when I said the vaguest terms? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean that's wow. Just, but I think that's because this album... You're right. You said it with the... It's definitely mood music, and it achieves that. And if you're looking for something to be... To, to incorporate into something else, I think this is good music that refers back to remix culture, what we were talking about last week. Yeah. This fits very well in remix culture. You could do a lot with this music. And build from this music very easily. I think it could safely be said that this is alternative for the time. Yes. Just slightly alternative for the time. It's not as straightforward as something Truck Berry, but then again, probably not as um, not as virtuosic as, right. as ch- anything Chuck Berry. But it it's it, it plays it plays with the formula just just by a hairline, and I I, I respect it for that. John, this. In 1963, this would have been the perfect primer for the evolution of rock and roll over the next 20 years. Primer. <laughs> I said that word right. <laughs> no, I used to have these little books. They were, they were called primers. They would teach you to read. They were like from the 1890s. First of all, that's primer. But I, I learned to read from books from the 1890s. Fun fact. Explains if you want to a lot, old man yeah. Steve. <laughs> More fuel for Matt's comments uh-huh. against me. It was the perfect primer for rock and roll. Okay. It, and and what classic rock became, what all the various deviations from rock and roll there eventually became. Uh, aside from two songs, everything was mid to three to four range. Everything was in that range. Mm. I enjoyed lots of little bits, but everything was very sampler size, which is why I feel like it's a primer. That's true. Mm. These are you're getting you're not getting any bite, meals bite here. <laughs> you're not getting any meals. You're getting samplers hors d'oeuvres of music. Yeah, there's there's no full stories being told necessarily. It's, not even stories. There's no full explanations of a musical movement. 
even in terms of emotional arc, there's, there's it's there's... definitely not a concept album. No. Yeah. No. This is <laughs> this <laughs> the is fact that that was even mentioned. <laughs> you know, I, I'm speaking purely in terms of emotional arc. Emotional And again, we do have a pretty strong uh, societal commentary on misogyny. So, <laughs> we're not so going to go into that, that right now. <laughs> um, this was a compilation. It was an excellent compilation. 3.5. 3. 3. Exactly, 3.5s across the board here. Yeah, well, this wow, is, we've never been so boring. You are boring, I'm not. It's Dog an show. album that's essentially no. like a, a forgotten little tidbit of rock history, and maybe it's forgotten because it's that's not it. as interesting as the Beatles and Led Zeppelin, but it's still something that's a little this influential. Is, I, I love yeah. Dead Ends. I did a piece called Tragic Dead Ends. It was an article that I did on Prague, uh, which, you know, some people believe that Prague is dead. Some people think it continues in various forms. In any case, I think this would be another <coughs> great um, example for uh, that piece. Yeah, it's, it's the know. kind of thing that... I, I would be looking to you if I were to do an article, or you could write the article, by all means. I'm not writing anything. <laughs> I can't even keep up with a blog. Well, but... <laughs> I'll be getting information. <laughs> yeah, we can talk about it, but this <laughs> is definitely the kind of thing that was like... It was happening for a moment from 1950 to, like, 1964, and then it just kind of got dropped and picked up in another incarnation in the 90s for one reason or another. Yeah. There you are. There you are. So what would you give it then, Kita, since you brought the album to us? (laughs) That's true. Way the pros and cons. Um, Out of five. Based on all of the things that I just said, but also the fact that I really love it, and for sentimental reasons, this is the first Exotica or Exotica-themed album that I ever bought. Um, so I'd rate it about a four. Okay. Yeah. Right. I mean, we've discussed in the past that a personal taste <laughs> can weigh yeah. on your ratings, and, and four seems perfectly reasonable, yeah. considering you enjoy it so much, and you connect with it on a different level than any of the three of us clearly because have. Because nothing's yeah. more subjective than music. It's true. This was <laughs> also much. the first album that I brought with me um, on what I consider my first date with my now fiance so it's oh. like yeah oh, it has that it's got that too. going <laughs> for it <laughs> but I, yeah it's it's one of those things that it's fun and if I were to DJ my own tiki themed show this is what I would play pre-show that's, I think that's, that's a good cool. segue in fact considering what this album means for you and your profession yes yes how would you say it has helped you develop that profession? As, as a burlesque performer. That's right. I don't think we mentioned that. That's right. Have, <laughs> I think have we, we just really jumped not? right into have it. Have we really yeah. not? Okay. At the beginning of the I, intro, I, I mentioned Matt that... I to be on top of these things. I mentioned that Kita was a burlesque performer, oh, okay. among other things. Yeah. Um, um, but, uh, but yeah, no, that's a good question, Steve. I mean, d- did this album specifically influence you into becoming a burlesque performer? It didn't influence me into becoming a burlesque performer, but it was definitely one of the things that I was listening to really heavily when I first started. I used to do a fan dance to... I, I, Soraya de Christine, I'm not sure how we're pronouncing that. <laughs> yeah, I, I used to do a How long have you actually been doing burlesque for? I started doing burlesque. It's fuzzy whether it was 2008 or 2009. Okay. I started going to shows on my 21st birthday. I went to a Wasa Bosco show. Okay. The first burlesque I ever saw was a Wasa Bosco show, which is probably the best start that you could have yeah. when you're beginning. Um, and I took a bunch of classes at New York School of Burlesque a few months later, and 
you know, I, I tried a lot of different things and for a while was hell-bent on doing, like, exotica and tiki burlesque. Right. And I spent a few years making this really um, kind of high production value tiki act that I'm still working the kinks out of, but it's got a giant tiki and it used to be set to a song it used to be set to taboo and pygmy from this album right so i've i've come back to this album a few times while performing um just to like work things out for burlesque acts and then eventually inevitably i'd always drop these songs yeah Um, because really the only song that's dynamic enough for burlesque performance is beat girl and i can't use it yeah um, cause Gal Friday uses it yeah. in a different version. Um, but it, you know, it's, they're good songs, good enough to work things out on stage. If you're doing a student showcase, for example. Right. Yeah. And um, I mean, I think, I think the Tiki Act was one of the first acts I saw you do yeah. at Wasabasco, at one of the Wasabasco shows, um, which I remembered very, that's why, like when, when you brought this album to me and told me that you were, you'd settled on wanting to do this, it didn't really surprise me that much because even though you don't use these songs specifically anymore, maybe yeah. the the sense or the nature of Exotica definitely exists in your performances, and I can see that it can stems from it, even if you're not exactly using that music. Yeah, yeah, I definitely try to at least tribute this part of history, this little chunk of American history, and I spend a lot of time looking at pictures from old tiki restaurants. It's kind of nerdy and weird. <laughs> well, we had this. There was a bit of a discussion. Of course, we had um, Hazel Honeysuckle on um, in episode thirty-five because I'm good at that. Yes, yeah, so um, remembering exactly every episode. And she talked a little bit about the history of burlesque. I was wondering if you had an alternate take on it, considering that your take. I, I I'm I'm comparing um, influences here because her choice of album was. <laughs> Uh, the Champagne Music of Lawrence Welk. Yeah, Stopping at the Savoy was the song. S- um, yeah, and right, um, s- very similar time period we're talking. Yep. Uh, is there something pivotal about that time period um, regarding burlesque? Um, I mean, I think it could be argued that that was kind of the golden age of what is seen as modern burlesque. It was also right before it fell. Mm. <laughs> and why would you say it fell? <clears throat> Because the sexual revolution happened. <laughs> oh, yeah, that. Uh, that yeah, that right, crazy we thing. We also, yeah, we also discussed this when Hazel was on. I, I'm not sure. I mean, Hazel's one of my best friends, but we don't really talk about the history of burlesque very often, so I'm not sure if we have the same no interpretation way. of if why. I'm, if I'm not mistaken, and I really That's okay, hope... I'll just splice that conversation of hers and insert it here, and okay. then we can pretend like you're having a conversation with each other. <laughs> cool, anyway, be great. the yeah. way... Hey, Hazel, how do you feel? I'm good at her. <laughs> Thank you, C, for interrupting me. <laughs> uh, well, I, no, actually, I needed it. Uh, Hazel explained it that because people were sexually deprived up until this point of history, where sex was a taboo, that's where burlesque came in. It was a safe way to explore sexuality. Once the sexual revolution came, there was other outlets of exploring sexuality, and if I remember correctly, because I'll probably get it wrong, certain aspects of society demonized it, and that's why burlesque kind of fell off. Mm. I'm sorry I always do this to you, but I'm going to hone in on one aspect of that point and say that it's a little bit wrong. I wouldn't say deprived necessarily, because if you're, relatively speaking, you could also argue that the 20s were just about as important um, stepwise as the 60s. 
um, in terms of the sexual revolution. Uh, uh, yeah, this is, that's exactly what I was thinking yeah, when so you were saying that. Sexually I, deprived, is, I mean, clearly the species <laughs> exists, we procreate, <laughs> so there's uh, definitely something going on there. I'm trying to remember there. three months ago. Yeah, I, no, yeah, yeah, think, yeah, no I, I understand, and I maybe I agree with the premise. Obviously, if you're, if you're looking at the history of pornography, which I'm sure I'm the only person in this room that's ever done that. Um, uh, I no. watched a documentary on breasts. Fair um, enough. Oh, no, no, it's actually very interesting. No, I was it's being I'm sorry, it was called Cleavage. The name was called Cleavage. Cleavage? That was the name of the uh, documentary. I... It's actually very fascinating, and it was fashion through the ages. Like, I will. Okay. I will link you that. I... A link? That's a, a link. link. Um, I don't even want to know what you heard. Yeah. Let's not get into that. So, um, I'm, hard, I'm hard of thinking. You're hard of thinking. Oh, PG. Um, <laughs> not going there. Have the PG, no. <laughs> um, yeah. PG-13. We're, may, we're maybe veering into PG-13 territory. Um, I, well, I have a question. About? Uh, I asked Hazel the same thing, and she's probably gave me the same answer you're about to give me. What is your favorite act? Do you have a favorite act? My favorite act? Yes. Um, yeah, I have a favorite act. Oh, you do? Of course I do. What's your favorite act? I spend so much time creating these things. Of course I have a favorite. Um, originally it was my Tiki act because I spent many years on it and designing it with Cheeky Lane and, you know, working out the choreography. And right now where I am, I hate it because it's, it, it's having some growing pains and you know how it is when you're an artist and you're like laboring over something and then you spend a lot of time with it and start questioning yourself. Um, Does it have anything to do with being feeling typecast a little bit, like with, associated with one act? You know, no. no. Um, oh, okay. All right, no, all right. It, and it, no, it's cool. Um, this is something that people used to ask me about when I was modeling regularly. People were like, "Don't you get tired of pinup and always being the pinup girl and like always yeah. doing cheesecake classic stuff?" I'm like, "I don't. I love it. I do it because I love it. It's really cute and fun, and I love tiki and tiki." culture and cocktails and paying tribute to all that i think it's a really good time i i'm having a problem with it because it's not it feels incomplete something's wrong um and that's just like i might just be being a nitpicky artist or i might you feel like you can't um uh i suppose <laughs> develop uh burlesque to the same uh, extent the same potential that burlesque has with that particular act I, I feel like there's a lot of potential with that act that isn't being realized right now. And gotcha. I think that some of it has to do with the set design. This has become the Kita Saints here self-deprecating hour. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> oh, I, I'm, I'm having like a moment with you right now. Yeah. I have that uh, composer's um, thing. Yeah, and, um, it, it, you know how it is. I there, definitely there, feel... There are a lot of different pieces that go into creating one final piece of art, whatever that art is. And if it's, exactly. it's going to be fulfilling, it needs to be right. And... Yeah. It's right now. I have something that's beautiful and it's high production value, but it's not right. And I have a lot in of, pursuit of perfection. Exactly, and I have a lot of different people telling me what it needs in order to be right. And some of those things I feel, and I just need to implement. And some of those things I, I might just let throw it away. Stew. Yeah, it I stew. need let to it let mold, it stew. Mold. It's it's gonna happen. Yeah. Um, I think I'm gonna shelve it for this season and maybe bring it back next unplug winter. retool yeah <laughs> back in the exactly air. um yeah. like I, I was hoping to apply to the new orleans burlesque festival with it this year i will not be i'll be applying to something else um right now my green act is really well developed it's it's my first real as a performer it was my first real classic burlesque number um and it's the, it's a very basic like 
I'm in a gown and then I strip out of that and there's a bra corset and a garter belt and then I do like a three minute stocking peel it feels like the world's longest stocking peel um it's and, three minutes that's, that's <laughs> up there it's not really three minutes i'm i'm exaggerating that beats some of these songs it, <laughs> it's a really long stocking pill and i try to you know always incorporate something different into the way i'm peeling my stockings each time i'm on stage it's a prog stocking peel. it's a prog stocking peel You're it's getting... never the same stocking peel every time i get on stage i do it differently sometimes i just go into a split or a half split i can't full split but you know there, there's always something different about it um yeah, and it, that's one of my favorite acts. I have, like, a turquoise fan dance. It's very classic. Um, my fiancé built the base of the fans, and then I wired the feathers onto it, so it's, like, it's very homegrown, that act, and I, I spent a lot of time rhinestoning it. And the act that I'm debuting at the Highland Ballroom this week is really opulent and fun and Vegas showgirly. So the, I have and this is a brand. I'm sorry, Steve. This is a brand new act. It's a brand new act. So this Friday, I'll, I'll throw it in here just as a reminder, so I don't forget at the end of the show. This Friday, we're having our very our Bosco is having their second ever show at the Highline Ballroom, and we're going to be over the course of summer doing several more. So the first show did go very well. Keto will be performing. I will of course be doing sound. So I'm actually very much looking forward to that. Yeah, it's gonna be great. It's a really great space. Yeah. I had another question. <laughs> Um, considering that there is, uh, such a retro element to burlesque, I guess inherently, um, I was wondering if you have an act that you would consider, uh, by your own judgment, to be the most modern. In style, in aesthetic, I don't know, anything like that. I had to like think that. about it for some reason. That's um, a tricky one. <laughs> I've, I've shelved it, I won't be bringing it back, but I have an act in which I'm neon cut. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. I won't be That's doing that because it's no longer relevant, but I did have a Neon Cat act, and I have a few anime numbers that I do. Yeah, you did one um, with Evelyn, Evelyn Vinyl. Yeah, me and Evelyn Vinyl did an act um, to Suki Dana Kimiga by Morning Musume, where she was a gothic Lolita bunny, and I was a gothic Lolita kitten, and... It's stupidity. Probably, it was probably <laughs> the most brilliant, adorable act you'll ever see. It was so stupid. Was. I really hope we get to do it again at some point. Yeah. Um, and then I, I have another act that is actually in that same costume that I debuted the night before we did that act. Oh, really? Um, where I sing a medley of anime songs. So I'm singing and stripping at the same nice. time <laughs> in Japanese. Well, um, you're always welcome back to the podcast, and when you do, <laughs> I think we should probably dive into that J-pop stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we've said in the past that we definitely want to have all of our guests on again, and the only repeat guests we've had are the Wall Street players, if I recall correctly. That's right, they're the only ones. So, but um, um, but I, we, I would definitely it's not hard to beat them. Again. <laughs> one more, and then one more. Yeah, yeah cool. So but, I'll bring J-pop, and then next time I'll bring Girl Talk. I feel like I kind of want to have a roundtable discussion at some point before we wrap up. I want to have a roundtable. Remember Robert mentioned last week the remix culture and all that stuff? And you mixed, mentioned Girl Talk, who obviously samples and remixes. Mm-hmm. And I've shown you both. But I think it would be interesting to have several guests along with us and kind of have a roundtable discussion of just remix culture, because that's a very big topic. And just like, you know, where it's come from, where it's going... Who are these artists? What does it mean to remix? Well, so, yeah, the amount of genres out there. I <coughs> I will not be satisfied with the Crash Chords 
goal, I guess, as it were, until we actually go through all each and every single one of these genres. There's a and lot. And considering of... they're infinite, um, yeah. We could, start, we could start a Google Doc I and say, just start, keep adding genres. Oh my god, can I, I be a part of this to... Google Doc and I'll just add Absolutely. things yeah. no, and just no, no, troll no, you? we gotta keep it to <laughs> no, no earlier than 19th century. I can keep it okay. modern talk to me and say that. Yes, okay. that's, no, that's I'm gonna pull something. Yeah, I know, you're, that's why Wait, I'm Wait, no saying... earlier than 19th century. 19th century. So like... Ragtime is okay. Yeah, oh, yeah. definitely. <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> I play that stuff. <laughs> um, I do have one final question, and I'm only bringing this up because I'm enamored with the idea. Just what sort of shows are you, is coming up? Because I know we we always have to plug some stuff. What, so- plug some what stuff. other shows are you doing? doing? What shows are yeah. coming up besides um, this week? Okay. So Friday, I'm doing the Highline Ballroom. On Wednesday, I'll be at the Slipper Room for... That's Wednesday the 22nd. I don't know if this will be This up will be up by yeah. Tuesday morning. So. Okay, yeah. So tomorrow... Don't give me that eye glare. <laughs> I'll be at the Slipper Room for a fundraiser for Camille 2000, and that's part of the Burlesque Hall of Fame Legends Challenge. Nice. So I expect that to be a classic show-ish, but Camille 2000 is one of those strange birds that... Um, she was a stripper in the 50s and 60s, and last year she did... A performance at Burlesque Call of Fame where she came out completely in like leather and studs and walked Tigger around on a leash. So <laughs> there will be some weirdness. Um, that sounds awesome. It's pretty awesome. This like 80 year old woman being all dommy and just sexy and it, weird. 80? Tigger on a leash. She is, she is, yeah, she's, I think she's in her late 60s early 70s oh, okay. she's, yeah she's there there is an 80 year old tempest storm who unfortunately had a fall at burlesque hall of fame a few years ago so isn't stripping right now but she's still producing and hosting burlesque shows so it's definitely turned into like a long-term job market um what else do i have going on i'm doing 8-bit beauties at d20 burlesque on the 25th Highlands the 24th, right? Yes. Yeah, so 8-Bit Beauties, it's all classic video game themed. Um, I won't be doing a burlesque act, but I will be go-going as Tanuki Mario. Tanuki Mario? That's Tanuki amazing. Mario. Excellent. Yeah, and I'm borrowing Danger Doll's Neko Mimi ears, <sighs> nice. so my ears are going to be like moving around That's great, as yeah. I feel things. These, these are I'm, ears. I really appreciate all the creative possibilities yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs> Those those ears were actually featured at Steampunk World Fair. People were walking around with them. I love them they, so much. They were showing them off. And but that doesn't seem steampunky. They are. They, well, that they're seems... robotic ears that move based on your emotions and what you're feeling. Yeah, what and you're that thinking. seems more more furry. You can change the cover of the ears so that it doesn't yeah, they have look to like be horns. Horns. If it was like, like, I would want to make them breast sensors. If I was going steampunk. Brass sensors? You could yes. do that. Yeah, yeah. You, you'd have to custom make it, but it's totally doable. the kind of thing sure. that you I'm, could I'm do. I'm good with my hands. <laughs> Segway! <laughs> so, Steve... Um, wait, no, no, no. One more show coming up that I, she still hasn't talked about. Oh? I do? I mean, I have a lot of shows coming up. I can't no, remember no, them all. you gotta talk about the one that you mentioned before. Oh, that's right. <laughs> the new one? <laughs> um, so, on June 7th and June 8th, Epic Wind Burlesque is doing a tribute to My Little Pony. Oh, <laughs> I had to bring it up. Um, 
I've been a brony since season one, although I'm not a bro. I guess I'm a Pegasister, right? That's what yes. they call the girls. Yes. Um, I've been a Pegasister since season one. Um, is that and derived from Jabroni at all? No. No, brony okay. is right. like bros that are into My Little Pony, man. Or bronies. Bronies. Yeah. Brohoof. This is and uh, Steve. The worst part it. is the worst, we just broke. Steve, up. the worst part is is that I can safely say this is not the last time this will come up on the podcast because the gentlemen of Average Intelligence podcast uh, who I've spoken to, one of them is a brony. So when they come on with us to talk about Weird Al, oh. that's going to come up oh, again. Man, I said this before. Al? How I was warned by a friend of mine at college. Just like last semester, I was there. I was warned that this is going to be a thing. It's, it's going to be a craze. It's totally it a thing. It's, it's a thing. It's really a thing. Even though season three was a little weak, I'm saying, I'm just saying. It was only 13 episodes and Rarity didn't get one. That's true. Although, spoiler alert for the bronies listening, <laughs> who knows? There may be some. It's our um, niche brony audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it, it, apparently, in the MLP comic, there's a Nightmare Rarity. I don't know what that's about. I want to know. I'm going to read the comics now. But apparently that's a thing. But yeah, I'm doing a tribute to Nightmare Moon slash Princess Luna. Um, because burlesque is about transformation. And I'll be transforming from one to the other. It's gonna be good. It's gonna be dark. Should be one to I'm see. waiting for John's positive reaction. Because mine is one of, uh, <laughs> Horror? One of platonic nature. <laughs> so, Steve. Do I'm you smiling. Have, do you have, uh, Did you have wings? Can we just you upgrade you? Your status, yeah. like, like on the about me uh, co- info. It's going to say like, nothing but brony. <laughs> yeah, po- podcaster contributor brony. Yeah, I, I okay. can make that happen. You can do I that. can make that happen. Oh, Lord. Uh, you guys, you know, speaking of covering every genre... There is a genre of My Little Pony inspired music called Pony Beat that's inspired by like 90s Eurobeat music, but it's all covers of music from My Little Pony. Of course. Yeah. So, like. So. Eiffel 65? Huh? Yeah, it, no, not not quite, not quite. Oh, thank God. No, like, like, um. Like, Amuro Namiya and the Super Monkeys. I don't know what the American. Vague, vague recollection. You know, the song like, try me, do, 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 do. Yes. Yes, that. Um, so, like, that only <laughs> winter wrap-up. Steve, just be quiet. Really? Yeah. <laughs> That's right? kind of awesome. <laughs> it's so exciting. That's pretty awesome. That's yeah. my favorite is winter wrap-up. I really... Hmm. And um, um, the she's an evil enchantress and she does evil dances. Yeah. yeah. Pinkie Pie. Yeah. Sorry. Whoa, things got really weird. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. No, this is what Sorry. happened last I mean, week okay. when Noam no. went on his font tangent. I basically just, you know, let him go. Yeah, <laughs> let, let him, let, you know, have fun out there. But uh, we should start <laughs> wrapping up. just don't get up. it. So, Steve, do you have an email for us this week? Yes, I do. And by email, I mean spam, because Shut we up. don't get Shut actual up. emails. Shut up, at least some mystery. <laughs> is Draco alive? Is he in the castle? Chief Jordan. They're, like, actually writing things now. No, no, that is a direct quote. It's Harry a quote, Potter. and it, it's in quotes. Oh. It's it's just taken from the book. It's that it. was the question that Draco's mother asked right before she lied to the Dark Lord saying that Harry was dead during uh. the final conflict at the end of Book 7. Don't, don't, don't validate the spam guy. Stop I don't know it. who... Stop I don't it. Know, I don't know who Wait, Mr. So Jordan is. do we think that spam guy actually listens to the podcast? No. We, no. We, Though we some have... of them have gotten oddly specific. Yeah. All right. Well, spam you're guy, if you're listening, I want you to give me a quote from an anime. 
<laughs> but like a, a it'll be badly dubbed English. We've already gotten that. No, like a pre pre Naruto like. I mean, there's oh, a lot of different spam was... guys out there. You have to specify which one you're talking to. You're talking All of to the spam guys. Chief Jordan, send X, me... Exaplilix. Uh, what? X, <laughs> I'm trying to list all our spam guys that we've had. Um, Xplux. Viagra 3000? Not Viagra. Th- Viagra 3000, I don't Cheap care what boots. you think. But the rest of you. The Ugg family <laughs> has contacted us oh, on the numerous Ugg, occasions. The Ugg family loves us. They really do. The anyway, Ugg family. Matt, Matt Jim Ugg. I think Matt. No, I, think I, I don't want to say anything about this. <laughs> okay. just I'm just well, letting you guys continue on. <laughs> we Matt. might have to start dedicating Uggs because they Maybe. such a strong fan base. Really. So Cheap Uggs. I just want to... Sparkle Uggs. Your time to talk is over. <laughs> Kita, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having I, me. I know we've been trying to work this out for a while. I'm glad we finally had you on. Yeah. We'll definitely have you back. Very informative and entertaining. Yes. Um, so next week we are guestless again and we'll get back to our old shenanigans. It's my pick for an album. And I was going to pick a certain hip hop album, but I'm going to leave that for John for the following week. And instead, no surfer Steve. No. No. Hip hop Steve. You There's no such thing. Word. <laughs> Word. Stretch. Seriously? Word. Word? That's you know. your go-to? Yeah. Word. Anyway, Word. since Steve has been it's pontificating not, not <laughs> about how he wants more variety in our podcast, you're welcome. <laughs> yes. Um, I'm choosing a metal record, but since there weren't any metal records that really grabbed me, I'm going on a tangent of metal. Uh, the band Him, hailing from Finland created this kind of love metal as it's been dubbed which is kind of more emotionally charged romanticized metal and uh they have a new album called uh tears on tape so it should be emotastic so we're going to review be reviewing that next week i'm choosing that over the new rob zombie record because he's been putting out crap for years did they actually release a cassette because probably I mean, All right. Well, if that'd be at least a good novelty item. Exactly. I'm gonna let Matt listen to it first, and if he shows up in black eyeliner, then I just know we're not gonna review it. <laughs> high school Matt re-enters his podcast. Yay. No, I listened to it after high school. You listen to that new album, watching. guys? It was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That's how I met. No, he wouldn't be so enthusiastic. He'd be like, "Oh, I listened to the new him." I don't Dude, think him right. fans say yo. No. I just no. said oh. You totally said yo. You did totally. You were say totally that. stuck in hip hop. Just now. <laughs> so, Possibly. so yeah. So that's what we're going to be reviewing next week. Um, what, John? Nothing. <laughs> I don't believe you. I know you don't. No um, one sees any of your interactions. <laughs> so, um, I would, since you're a fan of the podcast, I would like to ask if Kita, you would like to do our sign off. Do you remember our sign off? I don't. Okay. Oh, I will jot it down for you. John will jot it down for you while I kill more time, so you can read it off for us. Well, Matt's uh, talking. Let's let them talk. Kill time. Murder it. Just, 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 I'm really tired. I'm excited that you're covering a him album because I haven't heard him since Wings of a Butterfly. Um, that was I don't remember the name of that album, but yeah, that's the last album I actually bought. Also by them, they had another album after that that I heard, which was okay, but uh, but wasn't really love metally. Like it was, it was more kind of standard metal, which yeah. was disappointing because. I want to listen to standard metal. I'll listen to standard metal. I'm looking yeah, for I, I, emotionally charged stuff. From yeah, that. I feel like when when your logo is a hardogram, you don't get to choose whether or not you're doing dark romantic music. And with that, <laughs> music gives life, and life is good. Yay.